You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW TalkNet. Hi, everyone. Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update here on social media. Thanks for joining us this week. A lot of news to talk about. A big update on the Kavanaugh confirmation circus, I think is the best way to call it. Plus, Judicial Watch has a new big Spygate lawsuit. And there's been a new court hearing set on the Clinton email scandal. Again, Judicial Watch is the only game in town when it comes to pressing for justice in that area. But first up, the Kavanaugh confirmation process, which, as I've pointed out to you repeatedly, has been turned into a circus by leftists who want to destroy the Kavanaugh nomination and, uh, and basically upend his confirmation. I was honored to be able to attend the hearing uh, this week. It was yesterday, actually, on the Hill uh, concerning Kavanaugh and these latest allegations by this Dr. Ford against him. Uh, I uh, was able to get a, a ticket from the committee, and there were only a few seats available, so it was great that I was able to get in and uh, represent you, our supporters, and uh, just sit there and watch uh, the, what, as I said, the circus. Uh, the, to take you back a little bit, uh, it was quite a day on the Hill yesterday. Uh, the left-wing protesters were swarming uh, the various Senate office buildings when I entered the building, uh, they were uh, in, descent, in the center of one of the major uh, Senate office buildings conducting an illegal protest. Uh, they were illegally hanging out in various hallways and stairwells, uh, which served not to, justify, not to promote their First Amendment views, but to intimidate attendees of the hearing and the senators and their staff. Uh, I can tell you that's the feeling one gets when you're in these types of situations. But I, I went and attended the hearing. And um, the beginning of the hearing, I can tell you, was about as tense as a situation as I've ever been in. Uh, you have all these people in a relatively small room uh, waiting for the testimony to begin. So it was high tension and high drama. It was emotional. It was outrageous, given uh, the attacks on Kavanaugh that took place that day. And in the end, it really didn't advance the issue in the sense that we didn't get any additional information other than details about uh, Democrat corruption uh, that we didn't have the day before the hearing. Uh, Dr. Ford testified. Uh, many people thought she was credible. Uh, she sounded to me, sitting there in the hearing, I could only see the back of her head, remember. Uh, I could, uh, she seemed sincere that she thought something had happened to her and that Kavanaugh was behind it. Uh, the problem that she has and she didn't satisfy uh, uh, the questions in this hearing, was that there was no corroborating ev evidence uh, that this incident, which took place 35 years ago and has been used to try to derail his confirmation, 35 years ago, no one can support uh, her allegations that either the party ever even took place. Uh, she didn't tell anyone about this issue until... Uh, 20 years after the fact, or 20-plus years after the fact. And uh, I can tell you that uh, it looks like, in the least, her accusations were dishonestly handled by Senator Feinstein and the Democrats that she contacted. She didn't contact the Republicans. She contacted the Democrats on the committee, which suggests that there was a political issue here. Uh, Senator Feinstein, and I think you can interpret Senator Feinstein's refusal to act on these allegations in two ways. 
allegations that she received he, uh, back in July, uh, she did not act upon. And uh, the one analysis is that she vetted them initially and found them wanting and did not act upon them. Or, secondly, uh, the other option is that she uh, held on to them purposely till after the confirmation hearings ended and just to use them to try to blow up the process. I don't know what the answer is, but either way, it doesn't make Senator Feinstein look good or the Democrats who support her position look good, and it suggests there's craven political purposes to uh, pushing these allegations as opposed to any true concerns about the rights of victims or people who come forward with allegations such as this. And the other problem that the witness had was some questions about her credibility that I noticed sitting there in the hearing. It's pretty clear she flew pretty regularly, and she suggested, and her lawyer suggested, that uh, she wouldn't be able to fly because she was nervous. And the whole issue is that that back and forth with the committee about how she could be interviewed, whether she could fly to Washington, and suggesting she couldn't fly to Washington because she's nervous, a nervous flyer, well, it turns out that's probably not the case. She flies when she needs to. So either her lawyers were playing games or she was playing games. And the other more disturbing information was she was confronted with the issue of one of her friends, someone who was very close to her, a woman, who uh, sent a statement in to the committee you know, that essentially has the same penalty as perjury if it's false. That she doesn't know anything about this party, nothing about the allegations. And Dr. Ford's response was, well, you know, she has health issues. Boy, that's kind of a low blow, isn't it? So she's lying? Is that what Dr. Ford's saying? Because she's got health issues? Boy, imagine if someone said that about Dr. Ford. Imagine the, the outrage from her supporters. And I tell you, sitting in that hearing, it was, it was it's distressing to see, to put it charitably, the behavior of the Democrats. Obviously, they were very deferential to Dr. Ford, which is fine. The Republicans didn't want to ask her much in the way of questions, no questions at all. They had a, a special prosecutor ask her questions, someone expert uh, in uh, investigating uh, these types of allegations. And I know a lot of people criticized her because she wasn't aggressive enough, and it wasn't the sort of uh, uh, aggressive Senate questioning that they expected from a lawyer. But you know, my analysis is that she was trying to figure out given her experience investigating these types of allegations, what type of witness this was. Uh, Were her allegations credible? And so she was asking questions around that within the constraints the committee uh, uh, made for her, which was she had to ask questions for five minutes, stop, let the Democrat speak for five minutes, they come back, she had another five minutes of questions. So she couldn't get a pattern and a rhythm going, but uh, she was trying to figure out what this witness was about. And she did the same in some respects with Kavanaugh, although the Republicans were willing to question Kavanaugh more closely. And of course, Judge Kavanaugh did a fantastic job in his opening statement expressing the outrage personally that he has for the the denigration of his character, uh, the smearing of him, the destruction of his family, 
Because this is not about Judge Kavanaugh. This is about his family. They're not out to destroy Kavanaugh. That's, they don't care about the splash damage. The leftists don't. If it takes out his wife and ruins their children, they don't care. And that became pretty evident. I was there in the, in the, in the room, and I could see uh, his opponents on that committee. And they didn't, they didn't care about him. And uh, they were acting like craven politicians. Uh, the worst moment would perhaps is when they, uh, you're sitting in the small committee room, and I forget which senator asked him about his yearbook from high school, which was an absurd line of questioning. And he had two staff members uh, hold up these giant pictures of his yearbook uh, page. But this is what the Senate has come down to, and they're asking him about uh, drinking games and uh, uh, flatulence. But this, this is what the confirmation process has been. And I've never thought a private hearing, I mean a public hearing, was necessary in response to these allegations. I don't know what this woman's about. I don't believe Kavanaugh did anything like she alleges. I'm not sure what happened to her. There's really no way of knowing, given the lack of corroboration, what happened. So as a result, you can't destroy a man's career, prevent someone from going on to the Supreme Court, in my view, very fairly, based on these barest of allegations from an incident that happened 35 years ago. Now, I know there's other stuff out there that, frankly, is just uh, smears. I'm not even going to address them. I'm not going to address them because they are really smears. So uh, this is the game uh, the left has decided to play. You know, there's a, usually a high hurdle to oppose nominees, but now there's no hurdle to oppose nominees. You can say anything you want about a nominee. In this case, it has to be a Republican or conservative nominee. And the media will report it in breathless fashion. In fact, there were anonymous, anonymous allegations that had to be retracted by the media. It got so bad. The media was just reporting outright anonymous allegations against Mr. Kavanaugh. No backup from anonymous, uh, anonymous uh, sources uh, making outrageous claims against him. So you can't blame Judge Kavanaugh for being outraged as he was. And you know, I'm sitting there in the hearing. There are a few supporters of Judge Kavanaugh, or fair, supporters of fairness for Judge Kavanaugh more specifically. Because look, when you first hear about these allegations... You, uh, I think any fair-minded person is going to be nervous. Oh my gosh, I hope this isn't true about Judge Kavanaugh. But we've got to figure out if it's true quickly so we can move along. And that wasn't what Senator Feinstein did. They sat on it for weeks. In fact, they questioned Judge Kavanaugh. This came out yesterday. While having this in their back pocket, they never asked him about it. Senator Feinstein provided a, a, a recommendation, her staff, for one of the lawyers representing this person. So it shows you, uh, to the degree anything new came out yesterday, uh, we got further details about the corruption of the Feinstein operation in mishandling these allegations. So uh, 
What happened as a result? Not much in the sense that no one really changed their minds. And today there was a vote in the committee and the decision was for the Kavanaugh nomination to move forward. So the committee voted Kavanaugh out of the committee onto the floor where he will face a confirmation vote eventually. But there's a big if. And the big if is that Jeff Flake, who is a Republican from Arizona, he's retiring. He's made himself kind of an opponent of President Trump and uh, not exactly a team player uh, for some Republican or conservative issues. But uh, the Republicans don't have many votes in the Senate, so they need every vote they can get. So they needed Jeff Flake's vote to help them get out of committee. They're going to need Jeff Flake's vote on the Senate floor. They're going to need the vote of Senator Mikowski and Senator Collins, maybe Senator Corker from Tennessee. So they're kind of, they have to be solicitous of these senators who, for whatever reason, and we may disagree what reasons why they uh, ought not to need more information, want more information. So F- Senator Flake conditioned his vote on um, uh, voting him out of committee on requesting an FBI investigation that would last no longer than a week. So he wanted another week for the FBI to take a look at this. So as a result, Again, they don't have any choice because Senator Mikowski, I think, agreed with Jeff Flake. Now, Jeff Flake, the senator from Arizona, made this request after he was assaulted. The left won't tell you he was assaulted, but he was assaulted in the Senate. He's in an elevator. Uh, at least one or two women and others uh, confront him in the elevator and uh, yell at him for several minutes in a way that he was not able to leave comfortably. Very threatening, and it was assault. You look at it, you can decide whether you think it was assault or not. But if you you were put in a corner like that, um, I have to hand it to Jeff Flake for handling it as well as he did. But others may not have handled it as well, and they would have been within their rights uh, to try to get out of that situation because it looked to me to be dangerous. And afterwards, then he said, I I want another vote. Uh, I I want to promise that there'll be an FBI investigation. You know, I'm not as angry about that as you might think. I'm frustrated, but not angry. Why am I frustrated? Because I never thought it was inappropriate to have the FBI interview Senator, uh, Dr. Frank and, Bruce, uh, and Brett Kavanaugh about these allegations. But it should have been done weeks ago, or it could have been done last week. Now to wait after the hearing, after the committee vote, Senator Grassley requested, as a result of Jeff Flake's uh, request, uh, that the president authorize the FBI to reopen a supplemental background investigation into uh, Judge Kavanaugh. Now, to investigate, quote, credible allegations against him. And the president granted that request. Uh, And this has just happened within the last hour or two. But there are no credible allegations against Judge Kavanaugh. With all due respect to Dr. Ford, I, you know, she may be sincere in her beliefs about what happened, but they're not credible in the sense they can't be corroborated. And there's not much to investigate when you don't remember when, when something took place, where something took place. And we now know there are witnesses who have gone on the record under penalty, as I say, of something similar to perjury. You can't lie to Congress. So that that's part, they don't remember the party happening the way they did. So presumably the FBI, to the degree they take this seriously at all and would investigate it at all, can quickly do 
interviews of the witnesses, Kavanaugh, uh, Dr. Ford, uh, this friend who is alleged to have been in the room, Mr. Judge, the alleged other people who might have been at the party, that could be done in a heartbeat. It could be done by tomorrow. These other allegations where Kavanaugh is accused of doing terrible things, they're not credible. They shouldn't be investigated. Other than asking Judge Kavanaugh, did you do X or did you do Y? It should not delay the vote beyond, in my view, the middle of the week as originally scheduled. So if I were the Senate, I don't know what they're going to do. It may be changing as we have uh, right now. They were supposed to begin the process to get it to a final vote by late Tuesday or early Wednesday. I think the FBI can do its investigation and uh, in time for that final vote. Now, if they need two or three more days, I guess it's not the end of the world. But I tell you what, this is a continued abusive process of Judge Kavanaugh. What he's been done, what's been done to Kavanaugh by the left is outrageous. And the Senate's got to decide whether it's going to be run by the rule of law, respect for our constitutional norms, or whether it's going to be anarchy and mob rule, where the most base allegations, anything goes to try to destroy a confirmee that the left doesn't like. That's the test for the Senate. And I'm, I'm glad, for instance, that Senator Lindsey Graham, it's interesting because you're in these hearings and the cameras don't show you this, but Lindsey Graham was very active. He's going to be the chairman of the committee next year, assuming Republicans retain control of the Senate. And he must be seeing a horrible future for his community committee that is charged with making sure that good judges get on the bench. Because he probably sees anarchy if this is allowed uh, to uh, be the new rule, the new norm. And that's why I think he's upset, in addition to, I think, being justifiably upset about the way Judge Kavanaugh, who by all accounts is a good man, by all accounts is a good man, the way he's been harmed and treated. And in my view, the Senate owes Judge Kavanaugh an apology, and one good beginning to that apology would be to vote him in to the Supreme Court. Now, I've said it once, and I'll say it again. You've got to let your senators know what you think about what's going on with Judge Kavanaugh. Call your senators at 202-224-3121, 202-224-3121. And I want you to take a step back, because you think that the left would have you believe they just want the facts. They don't want the facts. They want to stop Judge Kavanaugh, and they'll do anything necessary to do it. They've shown that. Cory Booker, the Judicial Watch, filed a complaint against his improper rule-breaking release of confidential information about Judge Kavanaugh. Remember, he said, I am Spartacus. This might be my I am Spartacus moment, that absurd, laughable comment. Well, he thinks he was, he thinks he, because he doesn't like Kavanaugh and he's correct, he can break the rules and show contempt for the rule of law. Rules, by the way, that if he's found liable for breaking would require his expulsion from the Senate. So it's into that mess we sent Judge Kavanaugh again, based on these barest of allegations that did not warrant a hearing, at least a public hearing. There's no reason the committee couldn't have handled this in the ordinary course, in private, which would have protected the accused, 
Judge Kavanaugh, and any accuser. But that wasn't the game plan here. So what's going to happen with the FBI investigation? I suspect it's just going to be another mess in the sense that the left is going to do what it can to expand the investigation to all the crazy uh, allegations out there, including anonymous allegations. They probably wanted to have like, a, they wanted to be a Mueller special counsel part two. Indeed, Chris, uh, Dr. Ford's lawyers, again, the lawyer recommended by Senator Feinstein, that is providing her pro bono legal representation, have said they don't want arbitrary deadlines. So they don't want her to testify to the FBI next week. That's how I interpret that. But this is a real outrage. This is a real outrage the way Kavanaugh is being treated. It's terrible that, uh, let's say Dr. Ford is upset about something that happened to her in the past. But there's nothing to support her allegations against Judge Kavanaugh other than her own memories from something that supposedly happened 35 years ago. Nothing. No other evidence she can point to other than the fact that she told others after Judge Kavanaugh became prominent, in a sense a high-profile public figure who was in the news because he was a judge. It's a real awful situation, and uh, I'm glad the committee voted him out. That's a big victory. It's a big victory. And, um, and I say, Senator Mikowski, Senator Collins, Senator Flake, they haven't said no to voting for Judge Kavanaugh. So in the least, we should be appreciative, I suppose, that they have an open mind. So call your senators. Let them know what you think. Thank Senator Flake for, for, for voting him out of committee. But also demand that he give him a fair vote. I think they need to end the circus now. Uh, the FBI examination, to the degree one is necessary, can be done within two or three days. And there's no reason the judge can't get a vote next week. So encourage your uh, senators uh, to do the right thing. And, uh, you know, if you don't like Judge Kavanaugh or you were convinced that he shouldn't be on the Supreme Court, we are still a free country, at least. And you can call your senators one way or another. Uh, but uh, this is a major issue. Uh, and um, I tell you, if Kavanaugh goes down, uh, as the judge mentioned in his hearing yesterday, we, we will reap the whirlwind. Our republic will be harmed if Judge Kavanaugh does not make it to the Supreme Court because of this circus-like, show-trial, abusive sham of a process. So uh, we'll see what happens, but you've got to be active as much as you can be as a citizen over the next several days as the Senate continues to consider Judge Kavanaugh's confirmation. Uh, but in the meantime, there's another big scandal. You know, and I was thinking about this. In many ways, the left's attack on Judge Kavanaugh is just an other, the other side of the coin of the left's attack on President Trump unfounded political allegations based on the minimal of, minimus, minimal of evidence pushed through government abuse, accusing him of the worst type of treason 
without foundation, resulting in an unneeded investigation, an abusive process, because they don't like him. And Congress is trying to get records out, Judicial Watch is trying to get records out, and we've talked about the declassification fight, but there are other things to be done because there are other aspects of the scandal that is, that is so widespread that uh, you think the dossier is the, the only issue? No, it's not just the only issue. Because the other key issue was the Spygate issue. And what's Spygate? Which is the tasking of informants and spies by the FBI and who knows what other government agencies. I mean CIA. I mean maybe the Defense Department targeting the Trump team. And Judicial Watch is investigating that. We have filed a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit against the Defense Department over contracts it provided to Stephen Halper, who's been associated with this Spygate effort. What Halper did was he went abroad and tried to uh, ensnare or entrap, depending on how you define it, uh, George Papadopoulos and Carter Page and uh, uh, one other guy, J.D. Gordon, I think, into providing some admissions against that they were somehow involved with the Russians and concluding with the Russians. And money was being offered, all sorts of nefarious things. And it was all because the FBI sicked them, sicked this man on these Trump people abroad. And you know why he did this abroad? Because it would have been illegal to do it here at home. That's how outrageous this scandal is. Because the laws and the regulations of the executive branch prevent spying on domestic political opponents. But you can do pretty much whatever you want under the foreign powers of the, of, of, of the executive abroad. So that's why they sent Stephen Halper abroad to try to spy on and inform on the Trump campaign. What an outrageous abuse of power. So you have the Senate investigating Judge Kavanaugh's yearbook, yet we had a spy operation targeting the incoming, uh, the candidate for president of the United States, and who knows, probably the president of the United States, it looks like. And most of Congress yawns at it. Shows you how decrepit this town is and how distorted its priorities are. But Judicial Watch, again, is doing the heavy lifting, and we filed a lawsuit against the Defense Department because Stephen Halper was a big contractor at the Defense Department. He received, according to our analysis of government records thus far, a total of 1.0, a little over a million dollars for four contracts that lasted from May 30th to 2000, uh, 2012 to March of 2018. More than $400,000 of the payments came between July 2016. Oh, isn't that interesting? Around the time he was spying on the Trump team and September of 2017. So he was paid during the Trump administration. Now we're representing someone else, Adam Lovinger, who was a former official at the Defense Department who worked in the office that provided these contracts, and he raised questions about what Halper was up to. He didn't know he was doing this operation on behalf of the FBI, but he did see the size of these contracts, and he wanted to know what the heck was he being paid for. And in retaliation, it looks like, our client, Adam Lovinger, had his security clearance pulled. So this is a concern I have. You've got the CIA embroiled in this, 
the NSA embroiled in this, the CIA embroiled in this, the FBI embroiled in this, and now it looks like the Defense Department, in my view, I think we're going to find, I don't know if we'll find it through this FOIA, but we're going to put pressure to get the truth out through this FOIA, this new federal lawsuit, that the Defense Department was used as a cutout for these other agencies to allow Halper to go and spend money on spying. Again, I sat in a Judiciary Committee hearing where your tax dollars were used to produce a giant yearbook, a giant facsimile of the yearbook page of Judge Kavanaugh, and it's Judicial Watch is having to sue in federal court to get access to basic information about four government contracts. So along those lines, again, Judicial Watch is the only one investigating Hillary Clinton's email scandal. Congress is out to lunch on it. They may have some additional questions about it, may want some more testimony, but they're done. Our Justice Department and FBI are protecting Hillary Clinton still. The State Department is protecting Hillary Clinton still. But Judicial Watch hasn't given up. We're still asking for documents. We're still getting documents. We've showed additional instances of classified information on her server, essentially additional evidence of additional national security crimes. And uh, remember, we broke up and opened the Clinton email scandal. And in 2016, we took significant discovery in one of our FOIA lawsuits related to the Clinton email scandal. Now, the discovery resulted in people like Cheryl Mills, a top official for Hillary Clinton in the State Department, very close to her, Yuma Abedin, close to her as well, top State Department officials being deposed under oath by Judicial Watch attorneys. See, Judicial Watch isn't just about me coming on here and talking about the uh, weather. Our attorneys are in court deposing people doing the hard work that Congress often fails to do, that the media has zero interest in doing. We are granted the ability to bring these individuals in court to court in 2016 and ask them about the Clinton email issue. We wanted to bring Hillary Clinton in and ask her directly, but the court wouldn't allow that at the time. So we had to submit written questions to her, but she refused to answer some of those questions. So this is what the issue is. Uh, when we depose people, typically deponents, uh, you have a... a uh, a court reporter there that provides a written transcript of what went on. Uh, but there's also sometimes a video uh, person there to provide video of uh, the deponent. And in this case, uh, Cheryl Mills and Yuma Abedin and others, they didn't want that video out there. And the standard is that uh, you can protect witnesses from uh, the distribution of information that would serve to annoy, embarrass, oppress, or unduly burden the deponent if released. So the judge initially granted their, their request not to let you see the video of their description of their involvement in the Clinton email scandal. Uh, so uh, we subsequently went back and asked the court to uh, release that material. We also went back to the court and asked them, asked judge, it's Judge Sullivan, Judge Emmett Sullivan here in the District of Columbia, we asked him to require Hillary Clinton to answer questions she refused to answer, specifically, if I recall correctly, that she did not want to answer questions about why she continued to use and conducted 
uh, her uh, used personal devices and uh, her email system despite warnings from security officials? She didn't want to answer that question. And I think there were, I think, three total questions along those lines. And um, so that was a motion to compel. That's what the lawyers call it. We wanted to compel her testimony there. So it's been some time since we asked for that, and the court uh, recently set a hearing for October uh, about those issues. Uh, And just uh, yesterday, the court entered the following order, which is interesting. Well, first of all, he was unable to look at uh, Cheryl Mills' uh, video. I guess he's evaluating whether we release them, and he's watching the videos. So he wanted us to give him another copy of the video, or the parties to give him another copy of the video. And this is the interesting part. Let me see. The court further directs the Department of State, Ms. Mills, and any other deponent, arguing that the audiovisual recordings of their deposition should remain under seal to file supplemental pleadings pointing to specific parts of the depositions that would annoy, embarrass, oppress, or unduly burden the deponent if released. And he cites the federal law or federal rule uh, that um, has that language. Such supplemental pleadings shall be filed no later than October 17th and shall include references to relevant timestamps. So he wants to know specifically on the video what's, what's bothersome if it got out to the deponents here. And this is the other interesting thing. The Department of State should also clarify that it, whether it opposes unsealing all audiovisual deposition testimony or specific audiovisual depositions. Now recall, there's more than one deposition here at issue. And what's the position of the Department of State, the judge is asking. And so the judge has rescheduled the hearing from next month to November 14th, 2018. So it's Judicial Watch is trying to get basic access to your, uh, to, to provide you access, the public access to this documentary information about the Clinton email scandal, meaning the video of the de- depositions of people like uh, Yuma Abedin, Cheryl Mills, and top State Department officials, some of whom are still in government. Uh, we have the deposition transcripts available online if you want to review the transcripts yourself so that we perform that public service for you as part of our educational mission. So we're hoping the court approves this. And of course, we're going to be in court with Hillary Clinton. So her lawyers will be in court arguing over this issue of whether she'd have to answer the questions we had put to her that she's objecting to. But isn't it remarkable that it's Judicial Watch, the one that is doing this? The Justice Department isn't. The State Department isn't. Congress isn't. I want you to think about Hillary Clinton. No one in the Congress has any new questions for Hillary Clinton on her email scandal, especially after this IG report that came out about it. No one in Congress has any questions about, to Hillary Clinton about her role and her campaign's role in funding the opposition research Clinton DNC dossier through a cutout law firm to disguise the money being spent on Fusion GPS and what she was told about that whole operation. No one, Congress, no one in Congress is interested in asking her those questions. Well, I know there are some people in Congress who might be interested in asking those questions, but the leadership in Congress doesn't want to ask her those questions. And we're not in a position to ask her those questions directly yet. But we were able to ask her questions directly about the Clinton email server. And again, it's Judicial Watch that's doing all this heavy lifting.
Congress is out to lunch. The State Department, the Justice Department, and the FBI are protecting her. And thankfully, there's a court that's willing to at least proceed with our effort to hold them accountable and get the truth out and the full truth and full information to you about what went on in the Clinton email scandal. So what a, what a uh, uh, I have to say, this has been a, quite a week. Uh, it's, um, I'm sure, stressful to you to see this whole Kavanaugh confirmation crisis, uh, but we just have got to power it through. We've got to, you've got to stay focused on letting your senators know what's going on. You have to recognize there are other things in Washington that are important as well, like this uh, deep state scandal, the Spygate scandal, and know that we still haven't given up because it's still important that she be held accountable to the full extent under the law on the Clinton email crimes. So a lot going on at Judicial Watch. This is, uh, I'm going to sell our T-shirt again. This is one way for you to support Judicial Watch. You can buy the shirt online. I think it's shopjw.org. Is that right? Shopjw.org. This is our seal. And on the back is Judicial Watch's motto. I'll stand here so you can read it. Because no one is above the law. That's why Judicial Watch uh, does the work we do. Because people act as if they're above the law. Sometimes the courts treat people as if they're above the law. But our position is no one should be above the law. And that's why we sue folks, sue the government in court and try to hold folks like Hillary Clinton uh, and both Republicans and Democrats accountable to the rule of law. So we only do it with your support. And this is a fun way to support Judicial Watch. So you get the T-shirt, portion of the proceeds go to us. Of course, you can just donate directly online and just make a full donation to Judicial Watch as well on our various uh, web uh, portals such as judicialwatch.org. Or when you buy the T-shirt, you can add an extra donation onto the uh, purchase price and uh, uh, really double and uh, or triple or increase your support for our great work. So if you love this t-shirt and you want one, there's a blue version, there's a red version, we've got hats, we've got polos, we've got all sorts of great things, uh, little fleece jackets that are cool as well. So I encourage you uh, to uh, go online. Never too early to begin shopping for Christmas. And it's always good to shop for yourself every day. So I encourage you to do that. So thanks again for your, uh, your, your courtesy and paying attention to this important update. We'll be back with you next week with some more news about the current crisis. Thank you very much. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's weekly update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.